paper cups inside the plastic cups. Welcome to Plastic Cups Inside Paper Cups Inside Plastic Cups. My name is Dennis Wilson, and this is... Omar Rabadi. Hey, Omar. What's the date today? Are you still tracking today, that? Still tracking that. Today is August 13th, 2020. Actually, my dad's birthday, so happy oh. birthday, Dad, if you're listening. He's not listening because I, I haven't told my parents I have a podcast. I don't think they figured it out. My mom, my mom did like the Facebook page, but I don't think she understood what she was liking. Oh, I was going to ask if, if they're on social media. So, because um, we do post that on Facebook and, and Instagram maybe once, but um, so she didn't really know how to listen to it, I guess. <laughs> no, I don't think she realized it was a podcast. I think she just saw, oh, Omar wants me to like something called plastic cups inside paper cups inside plastic cups. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of confusing. I, guess. I don't think she had any idea what it was, but she was like, "Well, my son's thing, so I'll like it." But do your yeah. parents listen? Um, I know my mom has listened to quite a few episodes. I don't know if she's keeping up, but um, there's a good chance of it. So, I mean, there's a good chance she's kept up. So, I know she was listening. Um, uh, she listened to like the first five or six, at least. I think so. Um, I don't think. My mom's a lot. She's on the she's on social media, and they're both on the computer a lot. But she, I think she digs a little. She's a little deeper. He, my dad mostly skate, like looks at like eBay, and I don't know what he looks at. But I think she, she's a little slightly more savvy with the well, quite a bit actually. She knows how to scan stuff and email attachments and all that good stuff. Yeah, my mom's the same way. My mom's savvier with electronics than my dad. My dad has a tablet and he knows how to use the tablet, but my mom can actually use a full computer and all that oh, stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. So can you believe it's like the almost the end of summer? Is it? It's, yeah. Well, I mean, the way I think about it, it's like the end of August is the end of summer. I guess it goes until September 21st or something, but. Yeah, I always think of the end of August this summer, though. Since I was a little kid, like, once school starts, it's no longer summer. That was the way I always thought about it. So, end of August, a couple weeks. Glad it's cooled down a little bit. Looking forward to fall. Uh, yeah. I'm is there anything glad the summer's wrapping up. Is there anything you wanted to do in the summer that you usually do that you haven't got? Oh, besides, like, going to a bunch of outdoor festivals and concerts. Yeah, I guess that would be the main thing I missed. I didn't get to go to any concerts. I mean, I didn't get to go to any indoor bars, really. I mean, I guess I know outdoor drinking is available now, but I haven't really done much of that. Uh, Was planning on going to California this summer for Mm. my cousin's wedding, but that's that's been delayed because of the COVID situation. What's up? Dina, what's up, Zaid? Hopefully I'll see you guys soon. Uh, but, yeah, so I guess what else? Have Yeah, I guess the list of things that I would have liked to have done that I didn't do isn't really that that large. It's just sort of, I'd kind of like the atmosphere to be uh, 
pre-COVID in general, but there aren't really that many specific things that like on a day-to-day basis, it's like, man, I can't do this today that I would like to do today. How about you? Um, yeah, I mean, besides the, the outdoor music, you know, I haven't seen any music, so that's kind of a bummer. Um, but, you know, I've had a pretty active um, summer, I guess. I We did, you know, I was going to say we had, we usually go canoeing in the Pine Barrens. I did go canoeing, but it was in Virginia. Um, so I'd like to get a canoe trip in. I don't know. And we haven't gone to the beach. So we're thinking about a beach trip. Um, our anniversary is coming up, so we might go back up to the Finger Lake. So we'll, we're still going to try to have some more fun and I guess we can't do all those things because there's only like two more weekends in the in the um in the summer yeah 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 so I was going to mention um that our friend my friend your friend too I'm better friends with them but you're friends with them as well I think Chris Brower and Antonia had a baby this week um and the baby is a a human boy and his its name is took you a while to get out he's <laughs> a boy <laughs> um and uh name is cesare i hope i'm saying that right cesare orion brower um so congratulations to them um i know they're enjoying the early days of of parenthood um they'll be good parents and, and Chris he is, is the official he, Sorry, he is the. I just want to say this before I forget. He's the official baby, the official newborn of plastic cups inside paper cups inside plastic cups. We're going to track his life from the, the, the only baby that was born that matters since we started the podcast. Let's, well, so far, because I think Chris Rubinet <laughs> is also having a baby. Um, yes. Um, but yeah, first come, first serve. Um, I think Rubinet would agree with that. Um, he's, you know, libertarian, so live for your die. Um, and what was I going to say? Well, yeah, we're going to, we're going to chronicle it's, uh, uh, uh I'm going to call the baby Orion because that's just easier to say. We're going to chronicle Orion's, um, life like that boyhood movie, right? Is it boyhood? Yeah. Is it the one where they, yeah. So we're, yeah. We're like, With the- we'll edit it all together at some point and it will, all, uh, make sense. Yeah. As soon as he's old enough to talk, we'll have him on the pod. Yeah, let's, we're booking guests in advance, finally. Maybe that's... Do you, <laughs> do you think, take the over or the under, will Orion be arrested before the age of 21? Um, I would say yes. Yes, I yeah, considering who his dad is. Yeah, and I think, I don't know what the, it'd be a good... Um, over under on what like the average uh, male, how many get arrested before they're t- they're twenty one? I would say a good share, um, and then you have like your genealogy and like you know upstate New York environment. You know, there's a lot of opportunity to just run wild a bit. So yeah, and, and I don't think that that's necessarily a, you know anything particular about the ch- the the parenting. It's just I think that's probably pretty common for um for for men to get arrested it's like a rite of passage yeah i don't know i don't know what the numbers on it are but i'm gonna say arrested but not prosecuted yeah at least taken into custody yeah but you know just like a warning and like drop it off drop drop orion off at the his parents house yeah yeah 
Um, so I don't know. Anything else to open things off, or do we have some mailbag questions? Ah, uh, yeah. Why don't we get to the mailbag? All right. Yeah. What do we got? All right. So this one is from Jack the Sleeper. Which one of you is more like plastic, and who is more like paper? Hmm. It's a good question. So let me just, if it helps, I could talk about what I know about plastic and paper. Go for um, it. Yeah, so plastic is, is more durable. It doesn't biodegrade. It will at least as quickly. Um, it's like waterproof. Um, um, but paper is more flexible, um, and you can write on it. Um, it's made of trees, so that's kind of bad because it kills trees, but plastic is like, you know, there's those big uh, swirls of plastic out in the oceans because we toss so many, you know, plastic. And I think that the, the, the degradation of plastic releases, um, I don't know, CO2s or whatever into the, uh, into the atmosphere, which you know, is contributing to global warming. Um, and like seals and turtles get like jammed up with plastic. So... Now I feel like I'm grading, I'm rating plastic and paper, um, which wasn't the original idea, but um, I don't know, I'm a writer. So I feel like, and I used to make magazines. So I feel like maybe I'm more like paper. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I also feel like paper is more like, not in a bad way, but like prickly in the sense that like if you touch it, you might get more of a reaction. So if like someone bumped into you, you might be more likely to be like, back up where I just kind of like shrug my shoulders. Okay. Yeah. So right. I'm, I, I, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd say I'm more like plastic. I feel like, I feel more plastic than paper when I touch myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I do feel like I have, I do feel like plastic is kind of a bad thing. I, I feel like I feel guilty on how much plastic I use and produce. Um, and paper, I don't use paper at all, like for work. I don't know if you use paper, but like I use like almost zero paper. Um, and I it just kind of boggles my mind when I still pe see people using paper to take notes at work. Um, do you use paper? I do still use paper. Uh, I keep a journal. I do that with paper, not on a screen part of what I like about it is that I'm taking a break from looking at a screen. Yeah. Uh, I write out guitar chords in like a notebook because it just makes it easier for me to remember if I actually write it out as opposed oh, to for sure. looking at it yeah. on a screen. Yeah. yeah, I use paper uh, for like song lyrics and definitely like I could see that like when you want to remember chords and stuff like that um, and lyrics and stuff. Um, and, I was just thinking, yeah. And I still use paper books as opposed to Kindle. So I guess I'm not that environmentally friendly when it comes to my usage. But it's, I don't know, it's just I look at a screen all day when I'm at work and I look at screens at other times. So it's kind of a nice break. And I do mostly or exclusively by used books. So they're books that are already in circulation. Yeah, I don't think books are the biggest contributor of. Yeah. <laughs> of of uh, environmental pollution. Um, all right. Well, good question, I think. 
Yeah, yeah. All right. Next question. This is from Drew Holiday. Drew XFL. Holiday? Yeah. Hey, like, we have ballers listening to our podcast. I don't know if it's the Drew. Yeah. I don't know if it's the Drew Holiday, but it's uh, a yeah, Drew yeah. Holiday. So. All right. The Rock bought the XFL from Vince McMahon for $15 million. Who won the transaction? Um, the XFL? Yeah, the XFL. So Vince McMahon owned the XFL. It had a brief run in, I want to say, the 90s. And the big problem it had then, is, other than the fact that the players were way less good than NFL players, was there was no pass interference, so you couldn't really throw the ball. It was kind of boring to watch. And then they were going to start it up again this year, the XFL, but then the whole COVID thing happened. It uh-huh. folded. And then The Rock ended up buying it from Vince McMahon for $15 million. Is Is the XFL what Doug Flutie was in? Or was he in something? Like no, he was in the Canadian. Yeah, he was uh, in the Canadian yeah. football league. Gotcha. I don't know much about the XFL. I, I, I've heard of it. And... Um, so, it, so fifteen million dollars isn't isn't much. No. You know? So I think you could, you know, if you just went and took, you know, if if you just made a go of it, I feel like you could sell fifteen million dollars in like merchandise and stuff. Like yeah, but part but know? part of the but part of the issue is so it only costs fifteen million dollars to buy the XFL, but if you actually try to turn it into a league, then you're investing Oh, yeah, the operating costs. (laughs) The operating costs are huge of starting a league, and the time value, you know, the the time he could be spending doing something else to make money. Yeah, I mean, this kind of ties in to our, our conversation on the last episode about, you know, like sports leagues and um, ownership and all that. So I like the idea in theory. Um, I like the idea of having an alternative, especially the NFL, which I think has been garbage in terms of um, its, I guess, morals for a long time. So um, I would love to see the NFL crash and burn. Um, But, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I still think that you could... I don't think that's a bad... Because, like, I don't know. How much money does The Rock have? He has lots of money. So I think that, you know, for him... Yeah, I think $1,500 million is a good price for that. I think you can do something. I think you can do something. You know what you could do? You can make it more international. So the NBA has been really successful, you know, growing its international audience. Um, you could do something, I think, unique and potentially just position it as an international league. Um, travel more, uh, though that's not like a good thing right now, but like in the future. Um, so maybe make it more like a, more like the NBA and more international. Yeah, I'm going to say The Rock lost the transaction just because I think there's a really, really minimal chance this works out. Uh, especially with how popular the NFL is and 
how popular college football is. I don't, I don't see a path to success. And yeah, the $15 million isn't that much to the rock, but I also think it's kind of, it's kind of a trap. You own the XFL. He's probably going to at least think about kick around the wheels of trying to make it work. And then it could lead to even more losses. So I don't see it working. I think it's probably a loss for the rock, but we'll see. Hopefully, who knows? Maybe you know, there is room football so popular that there is room for another professional football league. You know what they say in Vegas, never bet, bet against the rock. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got to spend money to make money. <laughs> All right. Well, else we got, uh, this is another one from Jack, the sleeper. What's your opinion on small talk? A waste of time, a waste of energy. Would be we be better off without it, or should we do big talk instead of small talk? Um, like small talk is like you know you get in the elevator, you're in a waiting room, you know it's just yeah you talk about the weather with somebody while you're in the elevator. Oh, what a nice day it is, you know. Yeah, I, I'm glad. Yeah, well. I, I I like it if it's like if the other person is good at it, you know. Like sometimes you can have like truly like magical like cool little experiences if they're like interesting people who don't have their own their head up their own ass and are like interested in just like actually having it, you know. Instead of just talking about the weather, like I don't know, like people who are just like um, interesting, they'll say something like crazy or they'll. You know, they'll, they'll, they have a totally different perspective on their the day or what's going on around them than you do. And it's like, it can be quite interesting. But like some people are just like closed off and they don't really, um, you know, have anything to say or any, you know, they're just like so in their own world. I mean, that said, sometimes I am like the opposite of that. I don't really want to talk to anybody. So it, it kind of, I guess, depends on my mood, but like, if more people were better at it, I think it'd be more fun and I would be, and, and so, so I'd say if the person is good at it, I'm into it. All right, I think you're headed in this direction with what you just said, but let me throw this out there. What if instead of someone says something like, hey, you know, really nice weather today, you're so glad it's the weekend, you know, in this two minute elevator conversation, they're just like, tell me about your favorite movie ever. And it's still only like two minutes long, the exchange, but it's about something like that instead of so glad it's the weekend. Is that kind of what you were talking about? No, no. I. But what, do you th- what would you think of that? What would your reaction to that be? Um, I think that's a little much. I might, I might be taking a bit of back being like, what's this, what's this person's kind of agenda here? And that's, that requires a lot of heavy lifting on my part you know, to answer that question, you know? So I think it should be more just spur of the moment and like top of your head and within the flow of the day. So then what does it look like when someone's good at small talk? Is it just like their sort of energy? Yeah, their energy and, you know, it could be somebody like, oh, hey, how's it going? And they're like, you know, oh, I just got, you know, the guy who's like the janitors on the elevator. And he's like, well, I just got done like cleaning up with like somebody puked on the fourth floor. Um, and they were da da da. And like that tells you a little story. And then they get off the elevator and you're like, whoa, I just got like a snapshot of, of that person's life. Um, 
because they're just like wanting to share their experience. So it could be something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'll think of it more things, but that, that's an example, you know, like they're just like, boom, they just hit you with something. That makes sense. Like it's, you know, Hey, looking forward to the weekend and they actually hit you with like something quick they're doing on the weekend as opposed right, to just, I'm going to yeah, see Jay-Z and wait. Beyonce, you know, and you're yeah. going to see a band and you're like, Oh, I saw ZZ top like in 87. And it's like, Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, I hear that. And to get back to what I think Jack's original question was, I don't personally mind it that much. It's like, you know, you're having a brief interaction. I don't, I don't want to put the weight of all my troubles on someone I'm talking to for 90 seconds. And I don't really want them to do that to me either. So just like a quick little meaningless, not meaningless, but a quick little short exchange about something not that important is fine. It's just, you know, sort of like a polite hello, but a little bit longer because you're not just passing each other on the street. Yeah, and it's like complaining. There's no complaining in small talk. Like, I don't want to hear about, like, I, <laughs> I might be having a crappy day and you're going to tell me about your crappy day. It's like, that's, that's not small talk. Um, I think, like, also, like, Uber drivers, like, there's such a, a disparity in, like, small talk with Uber drivers. Some of them are like, oh God, this guy, enough. And then other people, you get out of the Uber and you're like, I just went for, you know, a ride with, you know, a, a, a metaphorical ride with this person. They told me some great, we had a great conversation, you know, so it can, it can vary quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite Uber rides are the guy who is trying to upsell me on stocks or some sort of investment. Have you had that happen to you or is it just me? No, I think you, because you do the Uber pool, you get some crazy people in that thing. Yeah, I, I won't be doing Uber pool anymore. Well, at least not until there's a vaccine that's been working for a while. A way to take a stand. <laughs> I don't even know. I doubt there's actually, I, I doubt you can actually take an Uber pool now. Probably not. Yeah. All right. Next mailbag question. This is from. Christopher Rubinate. He, he insists, yeah, we, we know this guy. He insists on being referred to as the foe of the podcast. Most people want to be friend of the pod. He wants to be foe of the pod. Whatever, That's he can a, be foe of the pod. Sure. Short time listener, long time foe of the podcast here. If you had <laughs> to engage in trial by combat against one another to settle a disagreement or dispute, then he puts in parentheses, not definitively banned in the United States. So we're assuming that it's, a, it's legal for us to settle this civil dispute by some sort of combat. What weapons would you use? Who would win and why? So before we started this podcast, I never really thought about like physical confrontation with you, but we keep getting these questions hitting us against each other in these type of situations. Uh, What weapon would you use? So I guess oh, one way to think about this is like, what is my kryptonite and what is your kryptonite? Maybe we could go a little more metaphorical with this. Um, well, we're, we're, I, I'm assuming we're, wait, are we talking like, um, we're ruling out guns, right? Yeah, I think we're ruling out guns. That would be too easy. Yeah. So... 
am, am I making a choice in the weapon, or did you want me to talk about our kryptonite? Uh, go wherever you want to go with it. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about like, let's see, what do I? I mean, I would, I would probably. Um, ooh, go with a. I mean, I'm not like. I wouldn't say I'm sophisticated in. I don't know. What do you call non? I feel like there's a term for non. It's not hand to hand. Non-lethal? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, are we fighting to the death? Did he say? It doesn't say. Let's just say until it's like a boxing match or a sub, submission match. Someone, someone either quits or is knocked out and to ten. Yeah, I would. I think some um, sort of like kind of like a baton or like a baseball bat, but not as big and heavy as a baseball bat. Just a good hard wooden baton of some sort, you know, because if we're, you know, otherwise I'd go with like a machete um, because that's pretty easy to wield. You don't really need a lot of skill. The same thing with the baton. You don't really need a ton of skill. Um, Just got to swing it and swing it fast. So kind of like the end of a pool sit, uh, Pool cue, uh, or no? Yeah, pool cue. Um, so that would be my weapon of choice, just because I think I would be pretty fast at wielding it, um, and also could use my legs a little bit to, to kick your legs out from underneath you. All right, I think I would use a taser, just oh, because. Oh, okay. It would. I don't want to do any permanent damage to you. You know, I, I, I I'm still going to need you as a podcast partner. I don't want to get Bo too upset with me, but I think the taser would sort of render you unable to do anything for long enough for me to win. Uh, right, I changed my answer. I want a taser. All right. <laughs> it's, the, it's the battle of the tasers. <laughs> that actually would be kind of fun to do like a, a taser duel. Yeah. Yeah. Low voltage, low voltage taser yeah, not enough to like knock you out. So, um, what would be what? What do you think the dispute would be about? A civil, some sort of civil dispute. I don't know. Podcast rights, maybe. Oh, me between that me was, and you. Was, yeah, I sure would. I think we could, splitting um, the revenue. Um, it could be. Yeah, if 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 we got um. If we got picked up by like a podcast distributor and then the money gets involved and and then you know it just gets it gets it gets weird when money when money gets involved. So um it could be about that, it could be about me playing music too loud at your house, you know, <laughs> it could be anything. Could be that, it could be that. The second <laughs> question was actually, can we listen to the best mode? And my answer is no. I have eternal sunshine, Depeche mode from the universe. So there is no more Depeche mode. Can't be listened to. See, he is a he is a foe of the pod. He's trying to seed dissent amongst the dissent. ranks. Yeah, he is a foe. All right, should we should we go to the next question? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, we should mention we are we were kind of fun. We were freelancing a little bit more this week. I don't know if you know, like normally we have some. We like have some pretty big topics, you know, some big stuff that we get to this week. You know, we're just, we're kind of got a lot of mailbag questions. So we're catching up on the mailbag. Um, 
I don't know. I felt like that was important to mention, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. All right, this one is from Dylan DeVito. What I know do you guy. think of, you know that guy? Yeah. Okay, cool. What do you think of the saying, business is business? Is business business? Um, I guess there's two questions. The first one is, what do you think of the saying, business is business? And then the second question is, is business business? Okay. So the first one, business is business. Um, yeah, I mean, it's often used as an excuse um, to be a, a jerky business person. So, you know, like business, like you have business relationships and you have partnerships and, and trust and, you know, all that. And you have, you know, what you, you believe are agreed upon, you know, behavioral norms. And then somebody's like, does something jerky. And then they're like, business is business, you know? No, <laughs> that's not, that's an excuse for being a jerk uh, in most cases. Um, but like, but like it, what it means is like, well, I can get away with it because like we didn't have it in writing. <laughs> you know, that's what that means. Um, because if it was, if true business is in, in contracts and in written and documentation. So that's, that's the real business of what they mean. They're like, yeah, you trusted me, but I can screw you because it wasn't on paper. So that's my answer to the first one. What's your take? I mean, I co-signed most of what you said. Uh, it's kind of a lazy thing to just say like business is business or computers are computers or trees are trees. I mean, it's not really, you're explaining what something is by just repeating a noun. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's like, it's like boys will like, it, it just remind me, it's like boys will be boys. It's, it's, it's an excuse for shitty behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I also think it's probably something that does that could obviously backfire because if someone's upset with you and you're saying, well, business is business, well, you might not get that person's business again if they feel like they were chipped off. So not a fan right. of the saying, and I don't think business is business. Well, yeah, and it's like, well, I do like the, I like the term, it's not exactly the same, but like dog will hunt, like the dog's going to do what a dog's going to do kind of thing. I think that's okay when it's like things that like, you know, a dog is going to be a dog. And it's like going back to our talk about animals, like they just do what they're kind of like pre-programmed to do. And you can't expect a dog to not be a dog, but you can expect a human being not to be a jerk, you know? So I think that, that, you know, I think trees will be trees is fine. Cool. Cool. All right. Should we do one more mailbag question? Yeah. One. Yeah, sure. This one is from Ajit Savatsan. Do you think that the stand at your desk people are still doing that now that they're working from home and no one is looking? Or are they just posers who needed to draw attention to themselves? Uh, <laughs> also, you two seem like the type for either of you standing desk freaks. Wait, who's this question from? What's the name of this joker? Uh, you, you don't know him. Ajit Savatsan. Do you know him? I might know him a little bit. I might know him a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it's mysterious. Um, 
That's a good question. <laughs> and the, the questions are getting more combative lately, but you know, we're in the we're in the public light now, so people are yeah. gonna be coming at us. Yeah, and, and it's like um you were on the campaign trail and we're getting to the you know the, the, the nitty-gritty of the campaign. Um so I expect it just to get worse in September and October. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so that's a good question. And so I'll give you a little no, just my perspective. My personal perspective is, um, so I got, um, I got a standing, like when I was working at my previous job, I got a, a standing desk because I hurt my back and my physical therapist said, you know, standing desk, like more, more time standing is a good idea. Cause you, you hunch over and, and the way, you know, for me to fix my back problem was to like be at better posture and not to hunch over like you do when you're at a keyboard. And so for me at my job, my previous job, I had to get a doctor's note to get a standing desk because they didn't, they didn't really, not a big enough company to shell out. Those things can be expensive. So I got a doctor's note and I got the standing desk and it stood and then it came in this big box and it probably sat in the corner of my office for like three months. And then I, I set it up finally. And I probably used it like, you know, for like, you know, six or seven times for the next three months. And then I changed jobs and, um, my new job, we eventually got standing desks right before the pandemic and I barely ever used it. So I'm not a very, I, I but I, I don't profess to you. What was, what was your experience using it? Like, were you like, man, I want to sit. This is lame. I feel awkward. I feel like people are judging me. Yeah. Just like, um, not because people are judging me, um, it was more, uh, I'd rather sit. And I felt like I have, like, I feel like w- when you're sitting, you're so used to working in that posture that like, I felt like I can concentrate better. Like, you know, like you, when you play sports, you get in a sports stance and I feel like sitting at a desk, I'm sitting in my work stance and standing up. I felt like, you know, too much, um, my legs and my legs were doing too much, you know? And like my, my brain was thinking about my legs and the blood flow in the legs. So it sounds like it created more problems than it solved. Yeah, but some people love it. I don't know. Like, I think that um, I, I, our friend Kim, I think, uses a standing desk at home. It seems like she's got it set up to stand. Um, you know, some people do have like, I had a bit of a back problem. It comes and goes a little bit, but it's not that bad. But like people with back problems, I know like, it's really, they do need to, to, to use it like that. But like, I do think that, you know, um, I mean, it might be hard to like, yeah, probably people are probably not doing it as much. I wouldn't call them posers. I don't know. Like, I don't think they were just doing it to be cool. I think that, that a lot of people, uh, like it. Like, do you think they're posers? I mean, yes, I think they're posers. I think, I, I think it's like a trendy thing. And a lot of people are just like, Oh, standing desk. I'm sure they sincerely think it's going to like make them feel better on some level. You know, no, nobody likes sitting at a desk, you know, eight or nine hours a day. Like it's not like humans probably weren't built to just be that still. So I, I kind of get it, but I don't think like they're, I also don't think they're built to just stand still. Like I don't, so no, yeah, I don't know. I think like, 
And to, to answer the other part's question, I don't think anyone's doing it when nobody's looking. I think maybe they're laying down a little bit, but they're probably not just like standing if they don't have to. I'm totally behind the science and the idea of standing. I'm just apparently too lazy to do it. So I, I say people should, because I don't think people should, like we, like we live too far sedentary lifestyles and hunching over your spine is really bad for a lot of reasons. So I'm all for it. I just, you know, kind of like vegetarianism, like I'm all for it, but not really have enough discipline. Don't really have enough discipline to, to do it. I would be I would be more inclined to do like to the extent possible. It depends what you're doing, but walking around and working, like you know, if you're having a conference call, if you're having a call, maybe, and you can take notes on you know we were kind of talking about this before, but on paper and pen, maybe you know get some exercise while you're walking. I would I would be more into that, I think, than a standing desk type thing. But obviously, there's a lot of things you can do when you're walking around. So, I don't know. Well, maybe this is this thing that causes us to, to fight to the near death, is yeah. our, our, our contra, contrary positions on standing desks. Uh, and that's all we got for mailbag questions. So, this is the... So, this is kind of the freewheeling zone where we just talk about whatever pops in our heads. Yeah, I had a I had a follow-up question from last week. You asked me when we were doing This Is Your Life of Dennis Wilson, um, like where I wanted to travel. I think it was modern times, like at 40. So I didn't I wanted to ask you like I don't think that like since I've known you you've you've traveled much and I can't remember you ever traveling out of the country so where like if like if in a year you can travel wherever you wanted to and but do you like like do you want to take a trip anywhere like outside of the country yeah so i think i'm not as into vacation as most people are like sometimes the way people talk about vacation kind of drives me nuts they're like oh i so just need a vacation i'm gonna feel so much better when i'm vacation and really it's just like no you're gonna be the same person you were before you went on vacation all your problems are still gonna exist it'll be a change of scenery but you're still gonna be the same and you're gonna come back so i'm not as into vacation as most people i'd say uh where would i want to go uh i don't know i haven't it's been a while since I visited any of my relatives in Jordan. So I'd probably want to go there to see some of my aunts and uncles and first cousins and to see how the country's changed in the, I think, eight or nine years since I've been there last. Uh, but yeah, other than that, nothing, you know, really comes to mind as far as something that, like, I really want to see maybe... I don't know, maybe, uh, and I'm blanking on a, a name of a place, but maybe just something more outdoorsy, just sort of, uh, like outdoorsy somewhere. I don't know. Like uh, outdoorsy, like, no, I take it back. I take it back. I, I don't think I want to be like <laughs> lost in the woods somewhere. Never mind. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> so, like, more like metropolitan or old city 
Like, like what? Okay, so what about if not visiting a place you've already been, but you got like you just got like as many you got uh, you got like we won a a, a contest, um, and you got like you could fly to wherever you wanted in the world. Um, but you had to use it in the next two years, but it can't be to anywhere you, you've been before. Uh, I don't know. I've never been to Paris, though Paris might be cool just to see such an old city, a lot, lot of history in it, but also still vibrant today. Yeah. Well, I mean, you said, like, yeah, a lot of people want to go on vacation to, like, you know, relax and get away. I mean, that's part of it, but like, um, you know, the other part is to like talk to people from, you know, different, you're like really good at talking to people, like talking to them and they have like people with a different point of view, you know, um, that's like another good part of, of it, you know, of traveling is like talking to people that are like, you know, different, but the same, you know, everybody's also like always kind of like, Oh yeah, they're just like us, you know. But also, like they're like very different, you know. So that kind of thing is also a good part, you know. Um, yeah, that, I mean that's definitely true. I could also, if I if I felt like being argumentative, though, I could say like I could do that just as easily in Philadelphia. Like I could find even just a couple miles away people who, you know, are from eight or nine different countries who just see the world completely differently than I do. And I don't know, maybe I would, maybe people do do this, but like if someone's like a tourist in, I don't know, Paris or Spain or Germany, are they really like getting to know the locals in a serious way or are they just seeing the cool things? Like I, I can see it if you like move to a place and live somewhere else, but I don't know the extent that really happens if, you know, like I did, a, I did a fair amount of traveling when I was younger. Like I've been to a bunch of countries in Europe, in the United States. I don't. I feel like most of it was just sort of like sightseeing and you know having fun at night. Not not really like getting to know people in like a deep and serious way. Yeah, I mean, it varies by country uh, how much you can and, and like where you're going in that country and what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I think it can vary quite a bit, vary quite a bit. Um, whether you can kind of like actually like spend some time with somebody. Um, yeah, it's not like, you know, if you're just going to a country for a week, then, you know, it's, it's fairly limited. Um, I think that like, um, you know, my brother's traveled a lot more, but like when he's younger, like going to hostels and stuff like that. And then you're like traveling with people, that and it's not like that's not necessarily something you want to do in your 30s but like you're traveling other people that are traveling so you might not be getting to know the locals but you're getting to know like people from canada and and holland and I don't yeah. know, australia or wherever um well i don't know i try to, like when we um you know like china is like my brother lives in china and i visited there for a week and it's like nearly impossible to get to know locals and have a conversation with them. Whereas, you know, I've been to Costa Rica and it's like, oh, yeah, you can go in a bar and strike up a conversation with somebody and talk for, with them a few, for a few hours. And you might not know their life story, but like you are, you're hearing some, some interesting things. So yeah, I think it varies quite a bit. Yeah. That makes sense. 
that makes sense. And I was just going to ask if you had anything else besides that topic, but if you had something else on that. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely being, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to come across as being like super anti-vacation. <laughs> like, like, I get that it's fun to visit other places and to see things and do things. Uh, I, I guess, but when I, I guess it's, and I'm not, I guess my only thing is I do feel like people think it's going to do more for them than it really does. Like, I think people think it's going to like, it's that, that's what people, I hear people say all the time, like, that's what they need. It's going to make them feel better. It's their favorite thing to do. Like, if I ask somebody like, hey, what do you like to do for fun? And they say like, they like to travel. That's the first thing I'm like, well, I don't know. It strikes me as weird. It strikes me as like, you can't do that all the time. You need like something else to be excited about. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, um, I don't know. Um, as far as other topics, NBA playoffs is going to start in a couple of days. Uh, I guess last time we talked, basketball had just come back. Uh, how was the last? How was having basketball back? Uh, I think it's awesome. Um, I think that you know NBA did it right uh, in terms of like how they handled the bubble and whatnot, and so. It's inevitable that we'll have to talk about how how unfortunate things are with the 76ers, but I don't know. Even if the Sixers... So this is the thing. It's like, I haven't been much to, like, really watch. Like, I got you got me into the Sixers, and I'm in Philly, and that's I, I watch the Sixers, but I don't watch, like, other basketball much. But I think that... Yeah, I, might, I kind of feel guilty about getting you into the Sixers. Like, I don't think, <laughs> well, you, I don't think I mean, you knew what you were getting yourself into. Well, it's not just, I mean, it, it helped that I also live in Philadelphia. Like yeah. if you tried to get me into like the, you know, the, I don't know, the, the Clippers or the, the Memphis Grizz, Grizzlies, I would have been like, yeah, I'm good. But you know, so it was, it was easy for me to get into it. Like once you, you, you exposed me to, to them, but yeah, I, I think I might still, I think I would still watch this time around because I think that like, um, you know, the guys on the, on the podcast we listened to, uh, right to Cirque Sanchez about the Sixers, like they were talking about how they felt guilty about restarting the, like watching the NBA restart and that, you know, because it's putting potential like people, frontline workers or people like they're working in the bubble at risk. Um, and I get that, but I think you gotta, you know, there's a lot of ways to measure the risk and part of it is like, you know, obviously the health risk, but there's also, which I think is pretty minimal because nobody is, none of the players have gotten COVID yet. Um, so I think that's pretty good indication that like working there is pretty safe. Um, but also like, you know, we do have to have some sort of an economy. So there's a lot of jobs involved with this and there people do need to have things that like make them happy and, you know, sports make people happy. Um, and, and so I, for that reason, I'm just like, I'm just happy to watch basketball. So even if the Sixers flame out, which they probably will, probably would have happened even without Ben Simmons getting injured. But yeah, I'm happy to watch basketball. And I do think that there's something special about this. Um, obviously it's different, but like something special about it, both in the fact that there's a restart as well as the uh, all the racial justice, the visibility that the, the players have had around the issues of racial justice. 
Um, so I think that it's like it's it's a it's it's a special playoffs. It's going to be a very special playoffs. Yeah, I I agree. I think the quality of the action of the play has been great. Doesn't seem any different than other NBA games. Uh, I don't miss an, the audience not being there really, especially if it's a competitive game. It's you know you get wrapped up in the game, and then I don't. I could probably do without the fake crowd noise. I don't mind the music and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's been good to have back. Uh, but you know they lost their first game back, and it was a reminder that like. Yes, it's good to have basketball back, but it can also be heartbreaking when, you know, they lose a game and disappoint. But you know, that's part of the deal. So yeah, it's been it's been nice to have it back. I think a, a little bit nervous now that it seems like I guess the agreement was the bubble opens up a little bit when the playoffs start, which yeah. would be nice if they could just keep the bubble the bubble for just a little bit longer. But I guess it's easier for me to say that than them but i don't know i guess there's still like a lot of protocols involved and a lot of testing with any family members who come and visit and all that stuff i'm not exactly sure how it's going to work but hopefully it keeps going smoothly but yeah it's definitely good to have entertainment back yeah they're gonna i guess the thing is they're gonna allow one family member family member member or somebody that they have a relationship it has to be like a demonstrable race relationship it says something like not something someone you met through social media or your intermediaries um i'm picking this up from another uh i guess from the rights to ricky sanchez um so it's so yeah i'm a little concerned that like they've done it so good of a job and now they're going to let in a lot of variables but i'm assuming just like the players that re-enter that those um family members and uh, people, loved ones, <laughs> are going to need to, like, quarantine inside the bubble before they interact with the people, right? I haven't read the details, but I would hope so, because it kind of defeats the purpose of the bubble if, you know, family members can just come visit without being tested beforehand. Yeah, so if the Sixers, if the Sixers go down, let's put it that way, um, I still have faith in them. Um, if they go down, are you going to continue watching? And are and if so, are you going to have a a backup team to cheer for? So I will continue watching. Uh, do you, you know, normally continue? Gonna... What do you normally when you watch the playoffs? Do you watch the playoffs until throughout? Yeah, I I mean I'm not necessarily every game, but. I'll, I'll keep on watching the playoffs. So, you know, I'll watch a decent amount of playoff games even once the Sixers aren't involved. Usually once the Sixers lose, I'm frustrated and I probably take like four or five days off from watching basketball. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch. And I'm trying to think. I'd pro- I probably will choose a backup team or it'll be situational. Just, you know, I'll, when I'm watching one series, I'll you know, just decide someone who I like better. Uh, yeah. You don't, you don't have a team. I, yeah. I don't, I, do you, do you have a backup team? Well, I feel like, like, um, I don't, uh, the one of the backup teams I would have, I don't think they're going to go very far, but the, uh, the trailblazers, um, and they, they still have to, 
they still have to like solidify their eight C position. But I just like I don't know. I like the way that I like Dame Lillard. Um, how committed he is to the team, and um, I don't know. I just yes, yeah, so for some reason I like Portland. So I, and I just don't want. I don't know. I, I'm annoyed with um, both the LA teams um, for a variety of reasons. So yeah. So I would I would say maybe them, but I don't think they're going to make it very far. So it's probably not a good team to pick. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know. I might cheer for the Houston Rockets just because I like Robert Covington, former Sixer, Sixer kind of like James Harden, kind of like the Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey. So I probably, although I really don't like Russell Westbrook because he always gets into fights with Embiid. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I'm going to pick it though right now that it's going to be the – the finals will be Lakers versus Raptors. Lakers, Raptors. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say, going to say, this is boring because they're the two number one seats, but Lakers, Bucks. And I think the yeah. Lakers win the championship. Mm. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So now I'm tempted to cheer for the Lakers just because I want my prediction to be right. But yeah, I, I, I could cheer for the, you know, after the second round. Like, I don't think the, the Blazers make it past the first round. So I think the, uh, uh, I, I think I could cheer for the Lakers. Even though I said I had issues with them, but got to pick somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was totally unrelated. Uh, one, of the, one of the questions that's popped in my head is, um, Kurt Vonnegut. Um, are you? Uh, have you read any Kurt Vonnegut novels? So I read Slaughterhouse Five when I was in high school or just after high school, but I honestly couldn't remember it. Uh, remember much detail. Okay, that's the only one you read. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. fan. I've read quite a few of his novels. Probably more novels than any other writer. Not even like with like trying very hard, but probably uh, more novels than by any other writer, uh, besides maybe one. Um, yeah, you should check some of them out. I can make some recommendations. Like, I, I want to reread a couple. I was thinking about them today, um, but I'd like to reread "God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater." Um, is a good one. I would, you know, if you're going to start out, besides the one you read, which Slaughterhouse Five is actually. One of the more challenging, it's less fun reads. A lot of his stuff is really funny, and he's kind of like a humanist. And I feel like that one is less so like that. I think probably earlier in his career, I'm not sure. But um, I would read uh, Breakfast of Champions would be the one I'd recommend to start out with. What do you What do you like about Breakfast of Champions? Well, that one is, I think the, I think the funniest. Um, it's really sh- like the writing is really short and snappy and, and there's lots of like, he's, I mean, he's a funny writer. He's writing about serious stuff, like, um, everything from like the apocalypse to war to, you know, human depravity. Um, but also like very redeemable human qualities. Um, uh, 
selflessness um, and humility. Um, but like, it, he also is just always really very funny, no matter like what how serious what he's talking about is. Um, and so, Breakfast of Champions is like a good one to start out with, or, or a second one for you, like um, because it's very funny very quick. And there's like little illustrations throughout the book that are also really funny. Um, so I think that's a good one. It's, it's a good Wheaties, Was Wheaties the Breakfast of Champions before that book came out or did they steal the idea? From him? Um, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, Breakfast of Champions. I'm going to look up when when that came out. So like I, I Googled it. This is a novel from 1973. There was a film, oh, that's a 1999 film. Wait, whoa, there's a film in 1999? Wow, I didn't know that. There's a, a, a film made from the book, Breakfast of Champions, that was released in 1999. That doesn't answer your question, but I just had, uh, what's the <laughs> what's the general premise of Breakfast the Champions? Like, who's uh, the protagonist? <laughs> what's he trying to accomplish? Um, I don't even. It's been so long since I I read it, um, but it's about. It's very kind of meta because it's about a. Um, is this guy? Because I'm looking. I'm now. I'm looking at Wikipedia a bit, but like, it's a. A Pontiac dealer about Dwayne Hoover, a Midland resident Pontiac dealer and affluent figure in the city and Kilgore Trout. So it's um, a widely published, but mostly unknown science fiction author. Um, so it's a little uh, like kind of meta autobiographical because like, you know, Vonnegut, it does write somewhat within the milieu of uh, science fiction, but not really. Otherwise I wouldn't be interested in it. Um, so it's about, I don't, I can't, to be honest, I can't remember what it's about besides that. There is some, I believe some time travel weirdness within it, but I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't tell you more because I can't remember. It's okay. More, more than I can remember about Slaughterhouse. <laughs> um, yeah, I probably read that. I read this on, I want to say spring break, senior, junior year of college, uh, undergrad. So it's been almost like 20 years since I read it, so I can be excused. Cool, cool. Um, but I was yeah, going to reread um, God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, which is, um, so I was reading about it um, because um, our friend John Bacino is from Schenectady, New York, and uh, Kurt Vonnegut worked for General Electric as a PR person for a long time. Um, and, um, and so like our friend John grew up right next to um, the uh, fire, like the volunteer firework of the department where he, I believe Kurt Vonnegut uh, was a volunteer fireman for some time. This is very small uh, volunteer fire department called, I think it's Alpas, something like that. Uh, I wish I knew it, but, um, and God bless you, Mr. Rosewater is about, um, this guy who killed a lot of like non-combatant firemen in world war two. 
and uh, kind of make up for his like atrocities. He um, like uh, buys a, a fire department and like supports them and supports the community and stuff. And and throughout like Vonnegut's uh, books, he's he holds like volunteer firemen as like in the highest regard and kind of like this embodiment of like he's from the Midwest originally of like kind of the Midwest ethic. So uh, that's that's a really that's a really good one too. It's a, it's less funny but more endearing. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've been leading towards a little bit more lighter reading lately. I don't know if it's direct, I don't know if it was a conscious decision, but I just think with a pandemic going on and everything, looking for something that's a little bit more less intense than what I would normally read. Yeah. Anything in particular? Uh, I'm almost finished with The Blind Side by Michael Lewis, which is based on, you know, the true story of Michael. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Michael Oher, the now professional football player. But it's also about a a lot about the history of the development of professional football and use of new methods it talks a lot about bill walsh and how he revolutionized offense and just about you know i think a big theme of the book is just sort of fighting against entrenched systems uh there was so much there was so much resistance to the way he wanted to change football just with passing more and anytime something doesn't work it's like well you didn't win the Super Bowl, so it's your new idea was clearly a failure. I think that's kind of a theme of one of Michael Lewis's other books, Moneyball, too, where the Oakland A's don't win the championship, but despite having the best record in the league on like a low pro, the lowest payroll in the league, everybody, you know, the critics will, will take shots at him for, well, you know, this Moneyball thing clearly didn't work because it got to the playoffs, you didn't win. But back to, Blind side. Uh, it's mostly about the life of Michael O'Hare, who had a really, really tough childhood. He gets adopted by by a family, and you know they see not the family, but so much the private school that he goes to, which he really only gets to go there because he's just this extremely large human being who they think can help in sports. And it's not until it's not until NFL scouts come to see him and they're like recruiting him that his high school team realizes that they need to utilize him and that if they just run behind him on every single play, you know, he can lead them to a state championship. So it's an inspiring story. Uh, right. And it was, you know, people are probably familiar with the, if that, you know, that story, the, well, they're probably familiar with the movie, The Blind yeah. Side, starring. Sandra Bullock. Um, I'm assuming that's one of the cases where the... Have you seen the movie? Is the, is the book probably better? Than uh, I, I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm, I'm going to watch it once I'm done with the book. But, oh, my uh, God. I feel yeah, like I've seen I, that not, movie like 15 times. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, the book's so much better than the movie. Like, it's usually not a fair comparison. You have to fit everything it's such a different medium well i i said i've seen it so many times i feel like 
probably Bo puts it on like on a Sunday afternoon if it's just on. It's easy to get sucked into it because it's yeah. interesting and kind of heartwarming, but it's also a little cringeworthy, falls underneath the category of kind of the white savior, um, you know, uh, series of films um, where the book, I would imagine, you know, it's treated kind of like it more like the movie is more like kind of a Disney kind of probably representation where the book, I'm sure, tra- treats it with a, a lot more nuance. But, you know, you be the judge once you read the book. Uh, you can give us a report and then watch the movie. You can give yeah. us a report. Yeah. Uh, and what what else have I read lately? Uh, so, yeah, so I kind of read multiple books at the same time. So I'm in the middle of this collection of essays called Slouching Towards Bethlehem from by Joanne Didion. Again, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing the last name right. I'm all, I, I read these things, but I never hear them said out loud. So it's a collection of essays from the 60s. And it's really, really interesting because you hear a lot of the same themes that we've heard this summer about the center not holding, holding things falling apart in America. It's, you know, kind of a country, an open revolt at war. Not literally at war, but, well, yes, in the 60s and now, the United States is literally at war, but not literally at war with each other. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, even though a lot of it's dark, it, it is a nice reminder that we always think the times we're living in, you know, how did things get this bad? But the world's kind of constantly in a state of flux and difficulty and challenges. So, you know, we got through it then. Hopefully we can get through it now. And it's, yeah, it's just different essays that are all completely unrelated. One is about Joan Baez opening up a school of peace and her neighbors in conservative California who were opposed to it. Uh, there's a, there's a essay about a housewife who supposedly killed her husband and the trial about it. Uh, there's essays about hippies in California who ran away from home, and everything's written in you know a pretty non-judgmental way. She's just sort of documenting what happened and leaves the reader to his or herself to judge everything. So I definitely recommend it if someone's just looking for you know if you're reading Atlantic magazine or New York Times articles, you're like you know what you're interested. What did people have to say? about the 60s in a similar fashion as modern day articles. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, that sounds, I will, I'll check that out. It sounds really interesting. Um, Yeah, to your point, like, um, yeah, we have the tendency to say like right now, things happening now are are so much worse. Uh, I think history has a way of kind of like polishing the edges, the, the sharp corners and making it seem like, you know, maybe things were, a little bit more convenient and 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 comfortable, um, but I think that's not necessarily the case when you're going through it. Um, so yeah, it's a good good recommendation. Yeah, yeah. All right, Slouching so, towards Bethlehem. Slouching towards Bethlehem by Joan Didion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, should we wrap things there? Yeah, I think we're at a good length. I think that was over an hour. 
All right. So, um, of course, send any questions you have to the mailbag, which is plastic cups instead. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> plastic cups inside paper cups inside plastic cups at gmail.com. Um, you can also send your letters to 2222 Boogie Woogie Avenue, um, which is Omar's address. And um, yeah, I guess until next time, I'm, um, I'm Dennis Wilson um, signing off from Philadelphia and Omar, where are you dialing in from? Uh, Boogie Woogie Avenue, it's a little side street in South Philadelphia. Yep, there you go. Thank, thanks for okay. listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Adios. Adios. Oh, <laughs>